Welcome to the Experts Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. On January 12, 2010, a massive earthquake hit Haiti. It's been estimated that 3 million of its citizens needed some help. The humanitarian efforts came quickly from throughout the world. Dr. Serge Tees is a psychiatrist in Palm Beach County, Florida. He grew up in Haiti, and he is also the medical director of the Gaskov Clergy Foundation, an organization that for over a decade has served to offer medical services to the people of Haiti. This became especially vital after the earthquake. Dr. Tees, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Generally speaking, how are the people in Haiti doing, and how are the kids doing? Are they screening for and handling the kids with psychological injuries that follow a disaster like, like an earthquake? The kids are very resilient, as you can see on uh, TV. They are very resilient. But as far as uh, psychiatric or psychological help, we don't have too much of that in Haiti. In the first couple of weeks, even now, people were focusing really on the physical trauma, and the psychological trauma was somewhat uh, neglected. Is there any activity now coming from outside of Haiti to try to do this, or is this still an, an area that's not being addressed adequately? To me, it's not being addressed adequately. Realizing how important it is, I went to Haiti after the earthquake myself in person. I visited a couple of tent cities where sometimes I was very happy, very pleased to see some young individual trying to do some interesting groups with those kids. But those people are not psychiatrists, they are not psychologists, you know, they are trying the best they can. Is it a culture that's open to mental health issues? Some cultures are more closed. How is it down there? Honestly, this culture is not really open to a mental health issue. Day by day, they start to realize it. It's a very religious country. People really rely on the priest, on the pastors for advice. They will go to the regular doctor, but it's very rare they really look for a psychiatrist, unless they are really, really psychotic, like just for schizophrenia. So there was basically no emergency medical psychiatric system that came into action? Uh, No, Okay, that I know. Is the government beginning to look at this more, or is this still something that needs to be addressed, shall we say? Yes, definitely there is something to be addressed. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I received a call from a friend of mine who who was in Haiti at that time, and he was talking to one of the ministers in Haiti. They contacted me to try to have some radio announcement to try to educate the people about the trauma, how to deal with it. I tried a couple of times to contact that minister. I haven't heard from him since then. So we're several months afterwards. And we all know that post-traumatic stress disorders can creep in. I'm just hoping that there is within the children a sense of resiliency, but it sounds like there's really not the efforts to help these kids that should be. I'm worried about their future is really what it is. Oh, definitely, definitely. Not only the physical trauma, as I mentioned, you have a lot of amputees, a lot of people that was physically hurt. However, psychologically, uh, not only the children, really, the even the adults are very traumatized. When I went to Haiti, for example, the earthquake, I was trying to examine a couple of people. I had a nurse practitioner with me. I was doing some pediatric at that time. In the room behind us, there is something that fell down on the floor making a noise. Everybody went out. Everybody left the room and run like there is an earthquake coming. So that's the hypervigilance to similar sounds. No, definitely. 
Hmm. Definitely. And even the adults? Even the adults. Uh, as you know, after the, the first earthquake, we went 5 o'clock on January 12, they have had almost 20 aftershocks in the next six hours after that. More than 20 aftershocks so in the next six hours after the first. Repeated over and over. over. It's, and like, it's like torture for them. Oh, That's my. Has some of it begun to normalize? And, and I'm now going back to just the kids. I know that when schools reopen, schools offer some familiarity. That's very soothing to a child. Has some of this normalcy returned? Uh, obviously, if the school was destroyed, they had to go somewhere else. But what's happening in terms of the reintroduction of normalcy? Uh, this is a very good question. As you know, Haiti, as poor as it described, people of Haiti really love school. The children really love school. Part of the trauma is that not being able to go to school. As you know, almost 80% of the school in the capital were destroyed. 80% of the school. So the kids are still not going to school. So where they could have gone and get some support. Even schools are not open yet. What about the churches? Because they can get the same sort of familiarity at a church. Many of the churches also are destroyed. So where are they going? Are they going into the countryside or are they just... Basically, they just give each other support. As I said, in the tent city, they have some people doing some group with them, some play therapy, make them play and jump, and jump, uh, warp jump and things like that, but nothing... Uh, Systematic. What about the elderly? They were just had no place to go. Not only they have no building to go to, no houses to go to. Most of them are still sleeping in the street. That's amazing. They sleeping in the tent. Even those who have their houses intact they are very scared to go to the house because of the possibility of another earthquake. Of another earthquake. Everybody's still sleeping outside. So we have millions and millions of people, perhaps, who have been traumatized in, in ways we might not be able to easily treat. Oh, the trauma is tremendous. I cannot describe it. It's tremendous. So as a psychiatrist, going back to your homeland must be pulling you apart inside. Oh, definitely. And what you see on TV here is nothing. When you see this, you have young people, a lot of amputees, people being traumatized by the trauma I described before, the aftershock they have after the, the main earthquake, lack of social support, many of the clinics of the hospital are destroyed, the churches are destroyed, the school are destroyed, a lot of people lose their job, they have no place to go, nothing to do, and they have to wait for people to hand them food and clothes and tents, and you know, it, it's really a very difficult situation there. And my understanding of the Haitian culture is that taking a handout is not an easy thing to do. These are very proud people. They like to work for their own food and money in the home, to be on the opposite end, to be on a dole, so to speak, must be very difficult for them. Definitely. It's very, very, very difficult. Even though I was born in Haiti, but I spent most of last 20 years in New York City, you can see all those uh, Haitian people working in factories and different places, but they will not go to welfare. Even the people eligible for it, they will not go. They would rather work and to obtain their, their stuff. They will not. It's very, very difficult for them. How are they, insofar as accepting help from all the countries that are sending countless thousands and millions of dollars, are they comfortable doing that? Are they going to use it to their own benefit, or are they going to say, please go away, we'll fix ourselves? You mean the government or the people? Either. Haiti is a, a very proud. The population, you know, the people are very, very proud. Like you said, they would rather work to get what they need. However, and they have used that what we call pride. You have to look at it the way they obtain their independence. It is the only country funded by slaves. Yes. They even, you know, it's happened to more than 200 years, but people still talking about the uh, founding fathers. They're still talking about them with pride. It's very, very hard for them to accept 
However, now, you know, the country's at the bottom. They really realize that they really need the help. This is why we have to be very careful when we bring him help. Because they might be put off or offended or... Uh, as you can see, I don't know if you have the opportunity to watch that on TV, a couple of days or a couple of weeks after the earthquake, mm-hmm. you see they were distributing some, some food, MIE, to them and somebody believed that they were expired. So you have to see all those hungry people standing there and refused to take it and threw it away not eating it. Really? So this is the type of people you're dealing with. You know, one of the things that has always been a curious thing and an interesting psychological thing is that when there is a disaster, the countries fly and send their military there and do all these wonderful things, and that's all well and good. But then it comes down to the nitty-gritty rebuilding. And the nitty-gritty rebuilding requires not the imposition of how it should be done from another country, but how it needs to be done by the people themselves, the people in the homeland. And maybe there is not a basis to this question, but I'm curious. The people who are there helping to rebuild, are they understanding the cultural, shall we say, innuendos of what the Haitians are like? Are they imposing their ideas? This is really a fantastic question. As you can see what happened yesterday, they had a big meeting of the donors, of the people who are getting together, like the like France and United States and United Nations and many other countries are contributing now contributing to try to help Haiti. And the problem they mention is that you have a lot of what we call NGO, non-governmental organization in Haiti, who really each one of them, they work independently, they have no coordination, they spend a lot of money without really realizing much because there, there is no coordination in that process. And now, fortunately, for what I can get from the meeting yesterday, that issue just raised here, was brought up, and they do realize the, they need to get them together to really do something. This is why, uh, talking about the, the pride, talking about the sensitivity of the people there, former President Clinton get himself together with the current prime minister to try to present the program so that can be more accepted. Interesting to see that it's developing like that. I think sometimes our own profession as psychiatrists, we tend not to look at the social issues, the cultural issues. We, we are um, focused elsewhere, and there's a time and there's a place for it. But in something like this, we as mental health people need to understand the cultural aspects. You know, one of the things that I, I, I learned as I was preparing to talk to you, and I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly, but it's a word called lacou. And what I was told it means is that it's the sense of the extended family and that the Haitians have a very strong sense of an extended family and that that has come to mean the neighborhood. They trust each other and they feel the need for their own kind, their own people to help themselves. And that's a very powerful sense. Is there that sense of this community that exists that maybe we as Americans don't understand? How much did the earthquake break this sense of community? I I was there, as I explained to you before, three weeks after the earthquake, from January 29th to February 7th, I was in Haiti. As you can see, before the equipment, before the people from abroad could have come to help, you have seen a lot of survivors, and those people were rescued by the Haitian people themselves. So the one who were, I mean, I'm not talking but the government, I mean the neighbors. So they see the house there, the house collapse, and they hear people there, they will get together and try to get that person out. So that sense of community is really still intact. 
And it's a lasting sense, I'm told. It's not just a momentary sense. It's a solid, deep-rooted. Oh, d- definitely. It's, uh, like you said, it's like to raise a child in the whole village. Mm-hmm. In Haiti, this is the way it is. I grew up in a very small town in Haiti, which is the third town of Haiti, where all your neighbors, because they are like your parents, so you cannot be doing anything outside in wait for your parents. Anybody can discipline. And they, they are the same, not only in disciplining the kids to try to raise the kid and also to help. By that same token, then, when there is a loss, when there is a death, when there is a, a severe injury like an amputation or whatever, the whole community feels it as well. Oh, definitely. There, there, there is no doubt. So what can we do as people not born and raised in Haiti as part of that wonderful culture and deep culture? What can we do to help? Is it just a matter of supporting the agencies that are down there or supporting foundations like yours that actually work in there? I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do. You know, I kind of want to send a, a thousand psychotherapists down there, but I don't know that that will work. I think this is very needed. What we did, for example, the week I was there, my foundation sent four teams uh, for a whole month, I, we sent 20 people, a team of team one, team two, team three, team four, and I was part of the first team. What I found to be extremely useful before we start doing any type of medical uh, checkup, medical examination. So I, I was there with a good friend of mine, another psychiatrist from New York. I did a couple of uh, debriefing with them, a couple of groups with them, with the whole group. And my friend did with the adult, I did with the kids, did a little bit of group for them before, you know, they start to get medical care. But I did some group with them. At the same time, two of us were there, but I was somewhat busy in pediatrics. But my, my I did pediatric and psychiatry, and my, my friend was doing more psychiatry. So we screened them, and the, the nurse is doing the, the screening. So they referred us also to see them, to evaluate the people. Many of them are very anxious, very traumatized, and very scared. I hope as things come back together that the schools begin to develop curriculums that help the kids adjust to these these traumas. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's not like people after 9-11. The chances of another earthquake exist. I mean, people will say the chances of another attack on New York exist. Of course, we know that. But it's different. This is Mother Nature. It's a very important point because the last time Haiti was hit by earthquake was almost 100, 150 years ago. So we have many generations never heard of earthquake. And we have been building for hurricane because, you know, Haiti is the path of uh, hurricane. Exactly. So we get it many times. I spoke to many people there. They said, my God, I would rather have 10 hurricanes than one earthquake. Us here living in South Florida, we can see how tough hurricanes are, but the people say, I would rather have hurricanes than having an earthquake. Not only, like you clearly mentioned, we're not educated, we're not prepared for it. That At least my generation, a few generations back, we don't know what the earthquake was. We, many people didn't even know we were sitting on a fault. We never th- thought of uh, getting hit by by earthquake. So that opens up another sense of vulnerability. Oh, Definitely. Definitely. So I agree with you 100% that they need to sometimes insinuate that in the curriculum to to teach the kids, even the adults, about earthquake and earthquake survivor, what to do. It's extremely important. One of the things that bothered me when um, I began to see the number of organizations and well-meaning organizations that went to Haiti is it rang a bell, and I'm sure I'll get some static for saying this, but it rang a bell to the number of people that ran to New York City after the World Trade Centers were attacked. And they were all going to go there and do their trauma debriefing, and but they were only going to be there for a week, two weeks maybe, and then they're gone, and the people are left alone. So that's where 
I began to understand the culture of Haiti more, and I came up, I found an interesting phrase. I don't know if you've ever heard it. I never did, but it's wonderful. It said, the Haitians are like bamboo. It bends in the wind, but it doesn't break. I love that. Yes, that shows you the resilience of the people. The lessons to be learned from this for Haiti and for any other government about preparing for trauma, as a psychiatrist, put your psychiatric hat on for a second, what, what would be one of the best things do you think people could do, that parents could do, to teach their children for traumas and disasters? And we could have them here in Florida, too. The first one, the number one, as I mentioned before, is education. We're here in Florida, we know almost every year we are threatened by hurricane. People need to know about hurricane, the danger of that, and to, to follow what to do to really get physically prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, Haiti, of course, you have uh, hurricane. Of course, we, they cannot stop talking about hurricane either, but now they, they, sh- they need to add earthquake. Okay. On the physical part, they need to help them rebuild the more uh, earthquake-resistant uh, houses. And also then they need in the school and, uh, and in the hospital, in the clinic, to really get some psychiatrists, get some uh, therapists involved, and to try to prepare the kid whenever something like that happens to give them immediate support. Because That's the right. kids, are, they are really traumatized, not only the... So you really have to be in Haiti to hear stories. Like everybody has a traumatic story to tell you when you come to see them, when you go to a medical mission. You know, you see parents standing outside talking to a friend and the child just went inside the store and the store collapsed. Thousands of, of stories like this. You know, and many of the kids were in school and the parents went to get them on the way to get them and the school collapsed. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to make people aware it's not only the physical trauma, the, the psychological trauma, psychiatric trauma is there that need to be addressed. Some people are so traumatized sometimes, not only they need to get some good therapy, they need to get some medication, some antidepressant. There's a lot of work to be done. The work is requiring a great deal of help, but as people go and offer that, they need to think about the cultural realities of where they're going. And as you said earlier on, this is not a culture that opens up to this, so there's the, that's part of the education, very much so. It's a very human story. Clearly, we don't have control over these things, but we can learn from them. And I am very impressed by your work, and I want to thank you so much for coming here and helping us understand a little bit more about the nature of what happened not too many miles from here. Yeah, I would like to add, uh, even though the culture really didn't prepare the people for that, it, the people are somewhat resistant in looking for psychiatric care. What I see in the short time I was there, the people also traumatized now, they are open to anything. You know, they are open to anything. If you can get any psychiatric group, any type of group of therapists to go there, and to people to go some group, the briefing for them, that will be welcome and the people of Haiti will really appreciate it. So the opportunity does open itself right now and we should take advantage of it. Dr. Serge Tees is a psychiatrist in Palm Beach County, Florida, and as I said at the beginning, he is Haitian and... He was able to go down there and experience firsthand reality of an earthquake. He works with an organization, the Gastov Clerg Foundation, which is an educational medical foundation that has been around for some, some time and doing quite a lot of work down there, but there's obviously a great deal of work that now needs to be done. So thank you so much for being with us. I want to thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. You're welcome. Thank you.